Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings. We are here on a Friday, gorgeous day. And uh, I was counting it October, November, December, January, February. We had a very cold winter this year. Lots of snow. I don't know how much they're doing up in the top. But I know that in a season average, up on the Tetons and around, around 400 inches on the level. That's for the whole season, but on the levels usually, I mean, 100 inches plus. That's a lot of snow. Nevertheless, today we are here. A lot of things going on in the world. Uh, COVID-19 is in the news, but we've got a God that is in charge. That's right. Even in the midst of plagues and everything, draw close to him. Today we are going to be talking about uh, Chosen in Christ, Redemptive Inheritance of the Saints. Now, this segment is Chosen in Christ. The series is Redemptive Inheritance of the Saints. And uh, <clears throat> we finished our other one that went along with some of the judgment we were doing in Isaiah. But we've got some great stuff coming up in Isaiah as well. That's on our other broadcast Isaiah is about so much, not just warnings of judgment on Judah and other places and messages to America and the world today. It is important to study Isaiah, and uh, it's going to be a long study, but we're enjoying it. We're taking our time. It's going to be probably about a year and a half by the time we get this done. So, today, we are going to be looking at that and beginning that. You can find us on a lot of different places. So, go to the front of our websites at uh, com or warn-usa.com. And uh, you'll find uh, the Spreaker app there, and they're on both the sites. Those are there for your convenience because we embed all of the shows along with uh, uh, an article uh, explaining about what this segment is. So we've been doing that for years and years and years. So uh, you can go on there, but just some of them you can hear us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Blueberry, Spreaker, Stitcher, Anchor, many more. Blog Talk Radio. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Now, I'm not so sure we're at Watchman IS anymore because I totally changed the whole thing around. I'll have to check that and get back with you. And... Uh, <clears throat> see where we're at on that because I don't think uh, that's on there anymore because of the changes. I'm not a Facebook fan. Uh, of course, as if you've been paying attention, Facebook came out and said they would not carry any of the president's ads for re-election or anything. 
Facebook kind of got in trouble from the liberal left because uh, they were allowing Trump. You see, it's okay for the liberals to do that, but this is not a political show. Bottom line of it is there's wickedness uh, in this country, more than just in the realm of moral and immoral, but as far as politics and what we do in the political realm, uh, which is immoral. And uh, there's just a lot of hatred and vitriol that goes on. And uh, that is uh, just absolutely sickening as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the level of garbage that's going on here. And, of course, then we've got knuckleheads like uh, uh, Sanders and poor Joe. Poor Joe, he really, really does seem like he has uh, onset dementia. Is not a good sign, you know, but if his family isn't going to help him, well, nothing we can do. But at any rate, uh, even during the Obama administration, he would say things that were totally crazy. So uh, maybe this is just the way he does it. I don't know. But at any rate, uh, that's neither here nor there. You can find us on LinkedIn, uh, hashtag Watchman. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by looking for Watchman IS216, Warren Radio, or WGS underscore Watchman. <clears throat> USA.life and me, we both were on both of those at hashtag Warren Radio. So check all those out. Some articles. Uh, I recommend you read these and pass these on. The Fourth Estate, Fake News and Deception. Have you ever heard of the Fourth Estate? Will we talk about it? truth or consequences, I'll tell you. This is very, very important as America follows uh, what seems to be an inevitable path of fear, delusion, paranoia, wickedness, I mean the whole nine yards. As Psalms 2 says, uh, uh, why do the heathen rage? Well, the heathen, that's what we are in America today, or as uh, the Hebrews say, goy, goyim. Living Hope and the Apocalypse is another one. This is this is one that, that um, you need to understand. Uh, living Hope in Christ. But there's going to be sin and iniquity that's going to abound. And we discuss about uh, the living hope and living also with this other aspect, uh, the sin and iniquity. And we're confronted uh, by it all the time. I mean, that's just, uh, that's the way it is. And... Uh, I don't like it, and I'm sure you don't like it, uh, but, uh, you know, we're here, you know, and we draw every day, we draw closer to the coming of the Lord. Thank thank the Lord. <laughs> thank God he's coming back, but uh, he's, it's not like he's going to be back uh, tomorrow, but uh, at any rate... So, Chosen in Christ, this is the first uh, part, the segment of Redemptive Inheritance of the Saints. And uh, when we talk about um, Chosen in Christ, look at our society and the societies of men. I mean, uh, you know, America is not, (laughs) by a long shot, the only so-called wicked nation on earth or corrupt and we're not the worst of them. But the bottom line of it is we do things that are abominable. And we, we've even made them laws. 
And you can't really say anything or tell anybody that, uh, you know, in society we've, we're getting to the point. And this is also going over in Europe and many other places. They just outlaw you saying anything. Um, and, and that's typical of the way things go. And that's the way it's going to continue to go. But uh, it's a jaded and corrupt society that we do live in. And in the time of the apostles, they were also living in a jaded and corrupt society. While we look and we say, well, ours is the worst of all, well, the Roman Empire was pretty bad at the time as well. But the apostles in the early church found hope in Christ Jesus, and they were able to spread the gospel and move forward. Now, during the Roman Empire, there were ten major persecutions of Christians. Uh, so uh, make no mistake about it. It was not an easy thing to be a Christian in the Roman Empire uh, as Christianity grew. But eventually Christianity did uh, take over. Now we're going to be starting in Ephesians, and this shouldn't be surprised if you've been saved for any time or been in Ephesians. Ephesians is is one of the nuggets when we talk about, you know, faith. You know, when Paul was writing this, you know, this is just, uh, it flows. You know, it just flows. You can tell that he was in the Spirit when he wrote this. You know, in the beginning it said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And it certainly was by the will of God because Paul on his own, uh, then known as Shaul, of course, our American interprets it as Paul. Um, <clears throat> he... Uh, ravaged the church. He was there um, at the death of uh, Stephen and consented to his death. He he said of himself that he he was blinded or he was ignorant. He, he did these things ignorantly. And uh, he worked hard once God revealed himself through Christ to him. He was on the road to Damascus. You should know this real well. Um, so an apostle of Jesus Christ, certainly by the will of God. And if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, this is also by the will of God, because we don't willingly come to the Lord. Um, the Lord <laughs> well, you know, he brings us. And uh, sometimes, of course, he leaves the decision up to us. But, you know, like they say, um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But you can put salt in their food, which will make them thirsty, and they will drink. So God does have salt in the earth. And those are other believers. And they witness and testify. They pray for you. They come over when you need them. Uh, and they are the salt of the earth. They're the light of the world. And he writes this to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from our God and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're in Christ, his grace or his favor is toward you. Everything according to the word of God. Blessed be our God and Father. Now this is where it really begins to flow because the other is the intro. But then it begins to flow. And I'm going to read it, then we'll go back and cover it. I'm going to... 
hit three verses, and then we'll go back. Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. You know, those verses just flow. You know, Paul studied at the feet of Gamaliel, at the time one of the premier teachers. And Paul himself was well known uh, among the Sanhedrin and the high priest. He was he was more than able. But see, it, it's it's funny now. We look back and we study Paul and his writings and what God revealed to him and what he taught. And we look at this, and, you know, he didn't recognize. He knew all the language. He knew the languages, as did the high priest. You know, so, and we have this big thing in America and the world, especially when there's PhDs. You have to know the original languages. No, you don't. See, today with our Bibles, we have English. We have some translations. Of course, the old tried and true is King James but the bottom line of it is, is that um, we do have that, and we can read it, and and we can understand it. But you see, the early church didn't have a New Testament. They had the Torah. Uh, they had the writings in the Tanakh, and the apostles would read that and and interpret it according to the will of God as revealed by the Holy Spirit. And they would tell us how they, you know, how the Old Testament in, in that covenant relates to the new and how we're supposed to believe. And so they didn't do away with the Old Covenant. I mean, uh, uh, the Tanakh or the Old Testament, as we say, because there there are New Testament churches today that have totally discounted the Old Testament and don't even teach it. That's a disservice. Um, that's against God, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, we're going through uh, Isaiah, and uh, even in this study, uh, you know, we're beginning in the New Testament, but you can find a lot of stuff going back into the what we call the Old Testament. They complement each other, and the Old Testament, the Tanakh, um, and the Torah is where the apostles got their teachings from. And this was as God, through the Spirit of God and their anointing as apostles, understood it. And so the Lord God, our Father, who we now can go to through Christ Jesus because of the blood of the covenant. And God chose in the beginning that it was through the blood that redemption would be made. And that that redemption is through what we call atonement or at-one-ment. It is through that blood, that sacrifice, that God accepts and receives you in as a result of that. But part of that, of course, is the believing in the work of Christ on the cross. 
So we have been united to the Father through the Son, and with it comes all these, as Paul said, spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Now, we're, we're on the earth, but we still have spiritual blessings in heavenly places. How's that happen? Well, because there's times that his spirit that is within us and, and the scripture says that his spirit will bear, bear witness with our spirit that we are the child of God. And so we have an active, alive uh, spirit of the living God within us once we become born again. John chapter 1. He went to his own and his own received him not, but to those that did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. Now these are not born again by the will of man, by the flesh of man, but by the power of God. And uh, that power of God is illustrated when the Lord talked about this in John chapter 3, when he says you must be born again of the Spirit. Is that Spirit of God. And that's why when you when you come to the Lord, you have a lot of big words, you know, redemption, redemptive, sanctification, justification. And so when you come to the Lord, you confess your sins, just as Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. So when we believe God and we receive that the Son of God and his sacrifice, believing on him, we become born again by the Spirit of God. And that Spirit of God brings us these uh, heavenly blessings, spiritual blessings. He is our comforter. He's our strength. He guides us, directs us, corrects us, disciplines us, warns us, and blesses us. And so we have these all in one. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, see, this is the predestination. This is another big word. God predestined. He knew that man would fall. He wasn't surprised when Adam and Eve fell. He wasn't surprised when Eve ate the apple. When he asked Adam, you know, who told you you were naked? He knew who, who, he knew what had happened. He was waiting, you know, he was... You know, the big problem here is that they disobeyed God. And once your eyes become, became open in sin, now, of course, the, the devil, uh, the serpent that uh, tempted Eve, said you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. And that's true. That statement is not wrong. You become as gods. Now, even the Lord, uh, you know, when he came and he was... Uh, came in the name of the Father and always talked about his Father. The Jews wanted to stone him because he made himself God's Son, which made him equal to God. And he says, uh, does it not say in your word that you are God's? And so, you know, th this is the thing of it is. Uh, in John 1, it says, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now, you have to understand what you're inheriting here. Sonship. And when we get into uh, Second Corinthians and we start talking about 
uh, and this is a good section too when you get into it. I've written about it and uh, some of the latest writings I bring it out uh, where you know Christ is going to at the end overthrow all principalities and powers and after he does everything that he's supposed to do as what I call the warrior king, King David, uh, the, the, the greater son of David, the Alpha and Omega, he calls himself in Revelation 1, the Almighty. He will overthrow everything. And then when he brings in the kingdom and overthrows everything, all the, all the powers, and of course this is after the thousand-year millennial reign and after the great white throne judgment, he will hand the kingdom totally back over to the Father so that everybody will be all in all. In other words, the Father will be the Father. He's not usurping the Father's rule, but uh, he is doing what his Father had given him to do. And so we have this massive work of God. And this massive work of God, as we see here, God determined that before the foundation of the world. And that's mind-boggling when you think about it. And he determined not only to be chosen, but in order to be chosen, you had to be holy and without blame before him in love. Why? Because sin and iniquity cannot exist in his presence. So then he says in verse 5, this is the big word, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now, blessed be the God and Father. Now he's talking about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now see, there's a lot of scripture where we're talking, we refer to Christ, and there's a lot of others, we, we refer to Christ and the Father together. Now see, this specifically is directing your attention to the fact that in the beginning, this was the work of our, our Father and our God, who chose his only begotten Son through Jesus Christ, or as in the Greek would say, E. Jesus. Christos. And so, having predestinated or determined or ordained before this ever began that he would have children, this would be the sons of men that fell, and it would be through the work on the cross by Jesus Christ, his Son, the only begotten Son of God, according to the good pleasure of his will. And it finishes, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. And in the beloved, meanings in the Father and in the Son, being filled with his Spirit. So we are predestinated to be adopted children through our Lord Jesus Christ unto the Father, and the predestination is according to the good pleasure of his will. His will is that he wants this, you know. He wants you to be his son, to be his adopted children, to be the redeemed, to come unto him, to be filled with his spirit. It's his good pleasure. It makes him happy. He wants you to come to him. 
He does not delight in the wickedness. And we shouldn't either. Verse 6, we are accepted in that beloved, the Father. And that word beloved is apio, meaning to love in a social or moral sense. Christ has caused those who are his to be loved. They are no longer at enmity with God. We are now his beloved, his loved. We're in this group of his adopted children, and we are loved to love. And so we are accepted in that love, which is of the Father and of the Son. We're not in enmity or separated from God or against God. And so these are really important when you talk about sonship. And, you know, when you think of sonship, you think of um, your own earthly fathers. And if you don't have an earthly father, you have an earthly father in heaven. And the thing of it is, is that, you know, you want to, socialize with your father now see our God is a spirit our father is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in the spirit Christ came in the flesh as the manifestation of the father and died on the cross to bring us unto the father to reveal to us who he is. Now, as much as he loves us and as much as he does not want people to perish, you go to John 3.16 that everybody knows, but you follow that up and he says quite plainly in there that people won't come. There's many that, that won't come because they love darkness more than light. And so this is the struggle we have in the world. And then, of course, Paul writes, along with uh, the other apostles, warning of, of the trends of the flesh and what people do. And especially in the end days, you know, perilous times shall come, Paul says in First uh, Timothy, I think it is, uh, chapter 3. Uh, so we have this aspect of perilous times. Uh, Christ says in the Gospels when he's talking about it that it will come upon the world as a snare. And we know that from Revelation 13, when the beast is revealed, the beast will control the world. He will push the mark, as you well know. You should know this. Almost all Christians know this. But then the fact of it is, is we know once he's revealed, there's approximately three, three and a half years. There is some, the individual dates vary when you get into, uh, I think it is Daniel, comparing to what is in the New Testament. And scholars have talked about various reasons why that is. But nevertheless, what we have here is this continuance of an effort to redeem you and to bring you out of the world 
to let you live above the lusts of the flesh while you are in the world. And that takes the presence of the Spirit of God in your life. It takes the Word of God, which we now have. You know, in the early church didn't have uh, that Word of God. They they had access in some cases if they were uh, in in the beginning of this. Uh, Paul and his people were able to gather in the temple. Now, the, Jew, the, the Gentiles couldn't go into the inner sanctum. There was the outer, outer court, the uh, part of it where the Gentiles could gather and others. Uh, but the Jews within it could listen and read the scrolls. Now, the early church uh, had a lot of Jews in it. It wasn't until Paul came that really the Gentiles got involved. And then they started uh, really doing pretty much what the Jews were doing. And, of course, there came a lot of different kinds of uh, problems and ac- uh, excesses when that began. But in the beginning, they were able to get into the temple, and they were able to hear uh, what the Old Testament says and how it would relate to him and and to the Lord. And Paul, when he talks in, uh, and even Peter uh in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. They all relate what um, the Tanakh says or the prophets will say, and then they tell you what it means to those today um, at Peter's time and to us today. And that's why Peter said, and this promise is to to you and to your children and to all as far off as many as the Lord our God shall call. So they were actively linking the Old Testament and the prophets with the coming of Christ and how he fulfilled everything. And But most of the early church didn't have Bibles like you and I do, but we do have, and they consist in some part um, you know, and I'm sure by far they're not all of the letters that were written at the time. There was a lot of uh, letters, letters written by the apostles to various groups. We just happen to have the ones we have now. Uh, and so you, you have Peter, Paul, John, and uh, you have uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you know, all prominent figures, you know. Uh, some of them are apostles, some of them are. Luke wasn't, uh, he wrote it, but he wasn't uh, a, an apostle. And Luke wrote Luke as well as uh, Acts. Uh, so w- when we look at this, the early church didn't have that. You and I do. Uh, we have the Spirit of God. We have God's favor. We have his word. And so we have a lot more today for us than than they really had. Now, they had the main part, and that was the presence of God. They had the apostles there. Um, and, of course, they had the letters that the apostles would send around. And so, it, of course, their mail service wasn't like ours. They had to send it by courier or runner uh, with someone they could trust that would carry it personally to the believers, and this took time. Uh, we are so spoiled today. You know, it, just in, in my own research and the stuff I do when I write articles and I write my books, I have a plethora of uh, uh, study materials and in-depth references, and I have stuff uh, 
going back to the early church fathers and other stuff. I, I have just about every tool you could want. Um, and we also have the ability to go on any website in any language and have it instantly translated. We are contacted by people from around the world through this technology that we have. And we're able to converse with people around the world for, you know, what needs they have and stuff like that. Um, and that that is one of the things that we do have. And that's why we've been on this uh, technology since God called me to do this a long time ago. Well, I was on, on doing this uh, in the beginning in our state where we are here when there was nothing. Um, matter of fact, I think it was 1,200 kilobytes was all the Internet was at the time. And this was the days when... Uh, 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 some of the early ones um, came out. But, uh, you know, I remember the first browser that ever came out. They don't even look like that anymore. Uh, there was no images. There was no audio. Uh, there wasn't even really websites. What there was was individual computers uh, where you could leave a message. They were basically message boards and things like that. It was so primitive compared to what we're doing today. But see, the gospel is going around the world, but yet still with that, uh, it, it has its limitations. So when we talk about being accepted in the beloved and all the gifts we have of the Lord, we also have the technology, and it's because of that technology that man has a tendency to think he's God. And But this part of the Godship rejects God and puts man in a humanistic uh, form where humanism becomes the God instead of our God and Father being the God. And so, you know, you can see, uh, I believe, a lot of the problems we have in society today is direct result of our social media. Uh, TikTok is one of the most, uh, uh, it's a very, very um, well-used site for young people. But uh, some of the stuff that comes off of it and the kids that are doing it is absolutely uh, repulsive. Um, and I'm sure it's not all like that, but... Uh, Stories have been coming out for a long time of what's on it, and they've been posting it. But see, we are so um, consumed with technology, consumed with everything. Now see, while the Internet and even 3D that's very popular now and uh, all this other stuff they're doing is all going to make it easier for the beast to actually delude society. And uh, the delusion we can see in our own nation. Because the people will believe anything they're told. And when we look at uh, various things, we know from the news that there's fake news and good news. I know that sounds kind of funny. And, he, you know, President Trump was really the one that first started the fake news thing, but it had always been there. But we know for a fact that there are news uh, things that go through that uh, 
are fake. They're, they're just put in there because they're paid like a paid advertisement, but they don't tell you that. I know as a writer uh, that there are hit pieces, and uh, you call them hit pieces. I might call them a hit piece, but see, what you do as a writer, someone contacts you, you say, well, I'll give you 500 bucks to write a story targeted, and this is what I want you to do, research and write down uh, a few of the important things uh, that you find uh, that... Uh, uh, for instance, uh, Trump has been an enemy uh, that, that Trump was doing. And so you would write an article, you hit it, and you you emphasize the bad parts. You don't mention the good parts, and it becomes a hit piece. And it convinces people that he's evil. And the same works in, in the opposite way. Uh, this is the way media is, and it's not new. This this has been going on in even in the newspapers, Um Hearst was one of the first ones to want to buy up a lot of the newspapers in order to get people to listen what he had to say. And when he had bought up, I thought it was uh, 25 to 50 newspapers. I don't know uh, exactly the exact number, but when he got it done, he said, now they will listen. Uh, they're going to hear what I have to say. And so this is not new, you see, and it's not new for those in power to get frustrated with the public who wants their own way. Now, see, what does this have to do with what we're teaching? Well, it has a lot because there is someone in power, and that's the Lord. There is another one who wants to bring you fake news. That's the devil and his minions. And so God wants to redeem you. The devil will tell you, no, he's a dirty, mean, vicious, jealous God. God says, I don't delight in the death of the wicked. The devil will tell you that he does want to kill you because he hates you and he's going to send you to hell. God says, you know, that the uh, hell is for the devil and his angels. It's not for you. I have predestinated you to be adopted unto myself. But in your present condition, you can't come before me because I am a holy God and sin cannot exist in my presence. So in order to do that, you have to believe on that which I have called for the atonement. And it has to fulfill my law of justice. And that law of justice is that the blood is that, that which I'm going to use for the atonement. And in the Old Testament, the blood was the blood of the bulls and animals, uh, the animals uh, that were shed, and their blood was that sacrifice. It was temporary. It wasn't permanent. They had to do it all the time. But Christ was the one to fulfill everyone, and that was the fulfillment of all the covenant. There, see, we have two covenants. We call it the old covenant and the new covenant. Well, that's really not true. There was one intended covenant from the beginning all the way to the end, but this is the steps. You have, you know, first God revealed himself to Abraham, and then Abraham's uh, kin, after 400-some years in Egypt, was uh, delivered. And, of course, Moses led him out. <clears throat> and Moses was trying to get him into the promised land. They sent in 12 spies. Only Joshua and Caleb came with a good report. The other 10 was a bad report. <clears throat> 
And so the children of Israel lost heart and said, we can't do it and wouldn't go in there. So God got judged them for that and said, well, the generation that said that, you will wander around in the wilderness for 40 years till every one of you drop dead and I'll take your kids and I will teach them and they will go in and get the promised land. That's exactly what happened. But even Moses, because of a sin, couldn't even get into the promised land. When we're looking at people who actually made it into the promised land from the original ones, the two that are mentioned are Caleb and Joshua. Joshua became the leader. And see, they went in. And of course, before they went in, they got the covenant at Sinai. And so that's, that is the first covenant. But Christ, who came through Isaac, well, there's another one, Ishmael. But Ishmael did not receive the promise. The promise of the Messiah came through Isaac. Christ came through Isaac. And of course, David was of Isaac. And Christ is the descendant of David. And of course, now we have the new covenant that we call it. But it's actually a a continuation and a fulfillment of the old covenant. It was just like if you lived in an old house and you lived in it for years and years and years till it got broken down. Well, suddenly you came into money or someone came along and felt sorry for you and they rebuilt the whole thing. Well, you had the old house and it's standing there, but you got on a new coating now and now you're a new house. But in that scenario, you still have the old house, but you just have all the new on the outside. See, you and I, we are in this body of death. That's our body. It's, you have to put this off. This is the part of the sin nature. Your brain's part of the sin nature. Your whole body is. And so that's why you have the two uh, warring natures. But see, when God redeemed you, he didn't leave it just there. You're going to put off this body of death, and you step into the next glorious body that Christ has for you. And so you have a future, see? So when God predestinates, when God accepts you, when God redeems you, when God makes a way for you, believe that he's done that. See, Scripture tells us quite pointedly that without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. See, we have today redemption. Redemption came out of his mercy. Mercy comes out of the love of God. And that's God's nature, which is love. But in order to access that, you need faith. Why do you need faith? Well, because God is up there and you're down here. And you have to believe in him. Now, see, when Christ was here, a lot of them believed on him because they saw him and saw the miracles. And he said, but blessed are those who have believed and have never seen. Peter, and I mentioned this before in Acts, the second chapter, when he was preaching on the day of Pentecost, is this promise is to you, 
to your children and to all who are afar off. Folks, you and I are all that are afar off. We're a long ways away from the day of Pentecost in human terms, not in God terms. And so here we are. Now, you have to be like Abraham, which believed God, and then it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Abraham believed him. And that was it. And you see that in the life of Abraham. And so, I mean, if you look at Sarah and Abraham both, they were old people by the time they had Isaac. I mean, good grief. You and I, you know, if we have kids, we want to have them. We have them earlier. We don't wait till we're like 80 or 100 to have kids. I mean, that's old. You know, you're dying if you're in America or in the world. You know, I mean, who would have kids there? Well, see, that's that's why when you when God gives you a promise and you expect it right away, that promise is going to come in God's timing Isaac came in the time the Lord had determined, not your time, not man's time. And so the ending of all this is coming, but it'll be in God's time. There is a time that judgment will begin at the house of God, the church, the people. No, I'm not talking about burning the buildings. The buildings are just the buildings. We call those churches, but the church, the ecclesia, are the people who are blood-washed, born again to the Spirit, and the Spirit of God lives within them. They are the temples of Christ. And within those temples of Christ, which is in your being, is the Spirit of the living God, where two or more of you who have that Spirit of God are together. He's in the midst of you, and that's church. Many times we get this confused. We sit around in a church, we have a good service, and we think it's because we are in the Methodist church or the Assembly church or a Pentecost or whatever. No, it has nothing to do with it. It has to do with the Spirit of God within you, and it, when God blesses you and it happens in the crowd and they have the Spirit of God, you see a revival. You see a lot of great things happen. It's not because of the church. It's not even because of the pastor, but it's because of the Spirit of God being there, and God is honoring the word being preached that's usually the sign that, that that's a sign of the word of god being preached and so you have that and well people mistakenly think well you know that was because i go to this church no it isn't it's because the god put his spirit within you and you were in the presence of two or more believers now see i say this to emphasize the fact that if you go over to africa uh, you know, most of the churches, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian in Nigeria and Kenya, uh, 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 Burkina Faso, uh, Burkina Faso, um, oh, North Korea, China. <laughs> There's a lot of them out there. I mean, they're tearing down the churches. They're burning the churches. Uh, they're entering in to shoot them and kill them uh, and run them off. I mean... So what do you do? Well, you meet under trees. You meet in secret. Well, we don't have church. Sure you do. You don't need a building. 
Now, it's nice to have a building so you can meet there. You can be out of the rain. You can be out of the cold. You can, like we did in the church, after Sunday service sometimes, we'd all gather, you know, in, in the fellowship hall. And uh, we could have dinner or even before a service we could have dinner. We could uh, have snacks. Uh, we could have coffee time. This was always a good time. But most of the time, we were able to go down to the local A&W, a bunch of us, and we'd have fellowship again. We'd have church again sitting. Sitting, sitting there uh, in the A&W, having treats and drinking our drinks and uh, fellowshipping with, with one another. But see, that is, that is that acceptance in the beloved, not just the beloved of the Father, but because the Spirit of God is within us, we are the beloved and we love one another the scripture tells us, and so we're together. And so this is very important. When you get overseas, you don't have these churches in many cases. And even the churches that were there, for instance, when ISIS went through, they tore down as many churches as they could find. They destroyed every cross they could find. They pillaged every church they could find. They were raping Christian women. They were killing them. They were, they were killing kids. They were chopping off their heads and killing them. I remember, and I've said this a hundred times, I'll never forget. Uh, this little girl was in, all dressed up in her nice little pink dress, and this ISIS soldier was standing there smiling like he had killed a, a rabbit or a deer and was holding her up. And she had a headless, there was no head on the body. On the body, she was probably about six years old, and uh, uh, blood was all over the pink dress. It was a horrifying picture. And we know, you know, we know what went on, but these people didn't care what denomination you were. You got to get out of that. And, and I'm going to say one other thing. If you're a Mormon over there, if you're a Catholic over there, if you're a Pentecostal, if you're a Baptist, if you're a Lutheran, it doesn't matter. If you in any way, shape, or form mention Christ, have any kind of a cross, have anything that looks like a church, they're going to come and attack you. And you're either going to become what they tell you to become or you're going to be dead. They don't care. See, only in America do we get to the point that we belittle and attack everybody. See, that's America. We're free. So we can attack and act like a bunch of freaking heathen while your brethren around the world are dying. They don't have your churches. They don't even have the carpets. I remember one time Tower and I had to travel a long ways. I think it's Ohio. And uh, to Rod Parsley's church, I was being ordained, uh, uh, prayed for, and I was a minister uh, out here. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, that's a whole story. But at any rate, um, we were there with a lot of others, and uh, it was it, it had been some good services. Uh, and Rod to this day still does have good messages but uh, at any rate um, we met this brother from Africa he had flown over he somehow gotten to know Rod and so he was in the church and we was talking to him well see Tower had gone over to the pop machine I think it was and uh, got a pop out of there or something I think it was a pop machine. It was something like that. Well, he went over and didn't know how to do it. So we went on over and was helping him with it. And uh, 
uh, we started talking, and he says, I like it that you have clothes on the floor. He says, all we have is dirt. And Tower and I were looking around. We knew what clothes were. Uh, And we looked around, and, and he pointed to the floor, and he was pointing to the rug. I said, that's a rug. You know, it's not clothes. It's a rug. You see, in his world, the churches had dirt. <laughs> and a lot of these churches, they have dirt. They don't have strong doors to keep the enemy out. Many times they'll even let their enemy in. And they have a roof. And they have hard wooden benches many times. But they got the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God in their hearts. The Spirit of God falling. You know, and then you look at America. Folks, I'm telling you. You don't know how blessed you have been in this country. And to be so divided, so hateful, and everybody thinks they're right. And the only thing they want to do is tell each other something. They don't want to listen. They just want to tell you. And that that does happen, you know. And and I can tell you from working in mission, working uh, from the mission side, trying to help people, give them money. Well, we were doing this in the beginning uh, in India, and we had uh, some that we knew, and we're helping them. Uh, and of course, we only had so much money; uh, we didn't have any more. And of course, they were demanding more. And then I thought, well, we'll, we'll go ahead and I uh, said, we'll, we'll put your picture up and uh, you have a link and they can go and give you money. Well, after a while, they accused us of taking money. Well, that would have been impossible because it doesn't come to us. It went to them. Uh, so we stopped that. And then before long, we found out they were selling our addresses to get money and they were literally our our box was filled with letters from India and uh, you know there is a lot of deception in missions so we started going with ministries that are on the ground that have people there that we can trust to get the money to that because on social media they can tell you anything and many times they'll tell you anything to get money because you're an American you got money see that's the way it works whether you have money or not if you're a ministry if they if you call yourself a ministry they think you're rich that that's their thing you're rich no we're not rich and uh you know we've been doing this for o- over two decades and I and I tower and I neither one get uh any any wages because we're more like a home missions. Um, I do all the websites. Why? In order to save money. I got rid of my office. Why? In order to save money. And so we we work and we do what we do, and that's what we do. We don't uh, we don't advertise like the others. The Lord has got to get the word out. That's all there is to it. And uh, when I do our advocacy show, and I'm telling and I'm talking to people about it, I tell them to support these ministries. I don't come out and say, "Well, you need to support me above all." I don't say that. Every once in a while, I'll mention if if you feel like helping us, go ahead and help us. But the bottom line of it is, our source is the Lord. But see, there's so much difference 
That's the emphasis. So we're we're predestined. We've been called. We have spiritual blessings, but you're also going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. And in the middle is where Christ meets us, and he'll never leave us or forsake us. And there's a lot of issues at hand. There's a lot of problems in our society today, but we're living in the end times. We are in perilous times. We're in the times leading up to the coming of the dark one, as I call him, and the great delusion on the world. These are important things to remember, and in this inheritance, my friend, as we close this out, do not forget you are the beloved. And while we talk about judgment in our other shows, and even on this one we've talked about judgment, the the fact of the matter is is that even judgment was meant in a redemptive way to redeem people, to bring people to the Lord. See? And that's important. That's important to understand. That's important to realize. And so today we've been... Just in the beginning of Ephesians, the Father's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ. He's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose that we should be holy and without blame before him in uh, love. And we are predestined to be his children through Jesus Christ, and we are accepted in the beloved through the mercy of God. And so you have that mercy which flows out of God's love and he has provided the the tool, uh, which is grace, his grace to us, his favor. But to get his favor, you need faith. You have to believe. You can't get you can't get grace from someone that you don't believe exists. That's impossible. You know, if you have a car and you want to start it, you have to go out and put the key in it and get in it and drive. But if you don't have a car and you're pretending to have a car and you go out and you try to get in the car and start it, you're going nowhere. You need to believe that car not only exists, but in in our reality, you've got to have a car. Of course, you'd be dumb otherwise. But see, grace and faith is that same way. Grace doesn't operate uh, to, to your uh, goodness unless you believe him. Grace will always be there. But if you don't have faith, you ain't going to access the grace to get that mercy to be redeemed. Grace doesn't go anywhere. It stays there. It's waiting for the key, which is your faith, to unlock and say, yes, Lord, I believe. And his spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are the child of God. You need to be found in our Father through Christ And, Father, we thank you for your word. Father, help them to understand. Bless them and bring them to yourself and keep them safe, Father. And one day, all the world, Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And in this we say, Amen. So be it. Folks, don't forget to go by our websites, warren-usa.com, danaglinsmith.com. And for Tower, 
and myself. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Warren Radio. A routine is a good thing to have. And sometimes a routine is a good thing to break. Take a break with McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Get a tasty sausage McMuffin for a dollar, and add any size coffee or soft drink like Dr Pepper for a dollar more. Because if you don't deserve a morning that's a little easier and a lot tastier, who does? Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hey, I'm Andy, and I started Harry's, the shaving company that's fixing shaving. At Harry's, we keep it simple. We make sharp, durable blades and offer them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We obsess over quality so much that we do crazy things, like buy a German razor blade factory. So give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for only 3 bucks with free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5.